Hey friends, can't wait till Wednesdays to get your Modern Mamas fixed. Join us on Patreon. You can choose your tier and when you subscribe, you'll get bonus content, early access to retreat, first peeks at new swag, plus shout outs and even real time monthly virtual hangs with us. Visit patreon.com forward slash modern mamas podcast to check it out and support the podcast. It truly means the world to us. We are so grateful for you and for this community. I love mama. Welcome to the Modern Mamas Podcast. We're two modern mamas with the goal to inspire, empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold the Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hello and welcome to an episode of the Modern Mamas podcast, which you already know if you're tuning in. I mean, you know who we are, you know what we do. Today is a little bit different. I might have mentioned this in some of our previous recordings, but Laura, uh, my fantastic co-host, is we're creating a little bit of space for her because baby is here. And, you know, quote unquote maternity leave, it can be hard to come by. And so we are doing, we're getting really creative with the podcast and we are looking for a couple different ways to create space for for Laura and baby Indy to bond and connect and just take some time. So one of those things that we're doing is in place of our topical episodes that Laura and I usually pick a topic and we chat, we are doing guest hosts which I'm so, so excited about. This, the guest host series is going to be fantastic, but it really is going to be just like our topical episodes. But I'm just going to be chatting with somebody else who has a different and unique perspective. So again, these aren't technically, you know, expertise, like expert posts or expert episodes where I have like someone world famous come on and chat though. You know, some of my friends are pretty famous like you, Alexis, who I will introduce here in a minute. And in my mind, I think that our friends have a wealth of expert knowledge to impart, but really they're going to be a lot more along the lines of like our traditional topical episodes where we're just going to be sharing our experiences, not necessarily telling anyone what they should or shouldn't be doing. Quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes so that nobody can see that, but really we're just going to be, it's going to be a conversation between friends And some of those friends happen to have some expertise in certain areas. So you'll see some of that coming here too. But my first guest host is my dear friend, Alexis Sturbance. Alexis, Alexis, welcome friend. Thank you. I'm so (laughs) excited to be here. I am so excited for you to be here. I can't even remember how long we've known each other. And you're you're on my beauty counter team. You're a rock star. So that's one of the ways that we have connected. But we've connected in many other facets too. I know that you're into birth. I'm going to read your bio here in a second. But I know you're into birth fit as Laura and I have been. CrossFit as well. Postpartum. I mean, you just got a lot of things under your belt. But how long have we? How long have we known each other? Four years. I think it's been. Three and a half, three and a half since I joined Beauty Counter because it was in August, like 
three and a half years ago. And then I've been listening since Liz Wolf was on the podcast the first time. So like for a long time. You're an OG and I just love it. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for our friendship because it's just another another one of the many blessings that I can count when I think about what this podcast has brought into my life. And a lot of that, and I can speak for Laura too, I'm sure a lot of that is just really, really good, deep friendships that would never have been there had we not like created this podcast in this community. So thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I I really think that your podcast, because I listen to so many podcasts and I feel like yours, you bring such balanced perspectives on and so many wonderful experts who it just runs the gamut of motherhood and parenthood and you know, taking care of ourselves as human beings. And I just absolutely love what you've done. And I think you're amazing. Oh, thanks, friend. Well, I'm going to give the people, the the listeners, a little update on who you are, a little bit more succinct and probably all-encompassing than my like mini intro here. But I'm going to tell people who you are, what you do, and why we're going to be chatting today. But Alexis is a mama to two kiddos and became passionate about supporting women in the motherhood transition after having her first baby and experiencing an intense sense of isolation, grieving the loss of traditional support systems for families we lack in our culture today. She's been on a journey exploring it all through education, birth doula training, becoming a CrossFit and birth fit coach, and a postpartum doula. With a degree in nutrition and a a leader in beauty counter, nourishing the new family in all facets, mind, body, and soul has become her mission. And she works to provide a safe space for mothers to feel seen, heard, and embraced by a community who gets it and deeply desires them to know they are not alone. Man, you got, you got a lot of things going, friend. I, you know, I, I knew you were kind of interested in working in different areas of, I mean, I don't even know how to kind of describe it like the motherhood transition kind of world community but you've got a lot going on so tell us before we kind of really jump in because again this is going to really be a conversation you know what I envisioned it being was around like postpartum mental health because we both have our own unique postpartum mental health journeys and struggles but you also as a postpartum doula I think can also bring a very unique perspective as someone who also supports women through that phase. So we're going to jump into all of that and it's going to be great. But kind of before we do, like, tell me a little bit more about yourself, how you got here, why you do all the things that you do currently. And yeah, just go for it. Oh, well, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, reading, listening through that bio is just, Like, yeah, I do like do quite a bit of things and I'm a manifesting generator, which if anybody knows anything about human design, they're kind of people that they really, they, they find a passion of theirs and they just, they run with it. And then they might do something completely different that just like, doesn't seem like the same thing. Like how do these things connect? And like you said, it kind of, looking at all the different things of how how can all these things support the postpartum transition i don't know i my experience with my first kiddo was like as i said it just really took me off into this world i wasn't working professionally as a nutritionist at the time i was just working at a credit union 
And I decided I was going to leave my job. So I didn't feel like a sense of professional loss there because it wasn't like something that I was super passionate about, but it was something that I enjoyed. But when I had my daughter, I just was like at home by myself a lot. And I didn't have a huge community built up already. We had lived in the area that we live in now for a couple of years, but we just like didn't really have a big community. And I just felt very alone. We have no family nearby. And I, I just felt like such a huge sense of like something was missing and it was just really, really hard. And I really wanted to get everything right. So, and I had a really challenging birth with my daughter too. And so I think that that was part of what led me into being a birth doula was how can I support people through this transition? And that was kind of the first step in that direction. And one thing just kind of led to another at that point, right around the time that I took my birth doula training, I started attending CrossFit classes and really like gained a sense of just like I can handle things and I can do hard things. And I felt really strong and I had a sense of community there. And so I just took off with that. And then I was realizing that there was no specific training for people who are going through the motherhood transition and all the things that happen physically during like when we're growing babies and afterwards when we're recovering and there's just not specific training, you're typically given at three, six weeks, you have your postpartum checkup and you're told you're good to go. And then you just like step foot in the gym and just go back to your normal things. And we often see a lot of physical things that can come up later when you're not properly rehabbing. So that's where BirthFit came in. And then just kind of around the same time as doing my BirthFit stuff, I was really getting passionate about postpartum care. And that's kind of where I am now. And then I have my second kiddo. And I've seen some postpartum clients. I haven't served a huge amount of families, mainly because it's postpartum doula care is not something that's really well known about or really thought of as necessary. I think that birth doulas are becoming much more common, which is wonderful because I think having that support is just huge. And also, we just need so much support postpartum, which I think is coming to light more and more in our culture. And we're talking about it more, especially as we're amidst this pandemic that we've been in for almost the last two years is realizing how much mothers really struggle in areas of isolation and taking care of their families by themselves and figuring out ways to serve those communities is really so important to me. And right now I'm running like a monthly support group within our community and just finding other ways to open up space for mothers to know that they're not alone and they're not, it's just, it's not just them. It's kind of everything else that's failing instead of you as a mother. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard your story before, but never kind of like laid out in that kind of timeline. And so it's just really cool. I think you know, for a lot of people in this space, this like wellness space, when it comes to like supporting mothers. And I think there's, there's, there's almost like 
Well, for some people, there's like a a key thing that kind of sparked your interest. Usually it's your own personal journey, right? It's like, oh, like I didn't realize what it was going to be like or what I would need or and now I'm interested in like taking that information or taking that experience and now using what I've learned and still have so much yet to learn to kind of help other people going through the same thing. I definitely know like that resonates with me in terms of the podcast because I mean, going through the motherhood transition, not once, but twice, and having it be completely different and having like two different sets of lenses in which I viewed like birth and postpartum and all the things and getting back to exercise and CrossFit and all of the things that you kind of mentioned, it was the catalyst that was like, I want to start a podcast because I think that I want to play. Like, I wish I would have had a place in which all this information was here for me to learn about um, when I was going through my experience. And it seems like, you know, we're going to dive into your personal birth experiences and postpartum experience, but it seems like your personal story led you to kind of create the things that you maybe wanted or needed during your own transitions. Is that right or wrong? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) totally. It's absolutely correct. And I mean, you could see this if you were following me on Instagram or something like once I start becoming really interested in something or something is impacting me a certain way, you'll find me sharing about it a lot lot more and definitely internalize my experience and think of how can I be of service to other other people so that they don't have to go through the same thing that I did Mm -hmm. or just so that they can just feel just more supported and not alone. I think that the the general sense for mothers anymore is that they just feel so alone and that mm-hmm. they're they're the only ones that are experiencing whatever vast spectrum of feelings or experiences that they are dealing with and it's just not them. It's it's just not you. So right, right. I feel like that's so valuable. And we just live by ourselves now. So there's not really an opportunity to really experience genuine, authentic conversation around what it truly is like to be a mother. Mm-hmm. Also, bow chicka wow wow. <laughs> What an intro. This is me trying to be sexy. It's not pretty, but you know what is sexy? Discomfort-free, top-notch, pleasurable intimacy. I want to be totally honest. Being married 10 years plus two kids later, sex and intimacy has definitely seen its ups and downs for us. But there's no shame in exploring different ways and products that enhance our sexual experiences, which is why we're so excited to announce we're partnering with Foria, a company using all-natural and plant-based ingredients to intensify sexual pleasure and relieve discomfort. Foria has a serious following with tens of thousands of people who have had their sex lives transformed through using their products. Rusty and I have used Intimacy Sex Oil with CBD and it's perfect to provide all natural moisture with 400 milligrams of broad spectrum CBD to enhance arousal, soothe and excite. Bonus, it's free of added chemicals and only made from two organically grown ingredients. We are all about the Awaken Arousal Oil with CBD over here, which is a topical oil to enhance pleasure, ease discomfort, and help increase sensitivity for people with vulvas. That's me. You can use it solo or with a partner, and it is next level. Sexy time has definitely leveled up over here. Plus, CBD used topically can help increase blood flow, relax muscles, and ease tension, and manage discomfort gently and naturally all around wins. 
I love it. It's time, friends, time to treat yourself to more, deeper, fuller pleasure wherever you can find it and as often as possible. I'm here for that. And you can start with a bottle of Foria. Foria is offering a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com forward slash modern mamas or use code modern mamas at checkout. That's F O R I A wellness.com forward slash modern mamas for 20% off your first order. I recommend trying their awaken arousal oil and sex oil. Trust me, you'll thank me later. Well, and I know we're going to touch a little bit. I have, I have not had a baby in a pandemic, nor do I knock on wood plan to at this point in time, but that is an experience I've, I've not been through. And I'm really excited. It's not the word I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating to hear about your experience with postpartum in the middle of a pandemic. And I, you know, just a nod to like, if other people are out there and also like shaking their head and resonating with what you're saying, like, I know that mothers in general during this pandemic time have taken on an immense load, even above and beyond what I would call, I'm doing air quotes again, like, regular non-pandemic time that they're already doing. And I just think that, I don't know, I just think we're going to be seeing the repercussions of that for a very, very long time. And again, like I don't have all the stats at the top of my, you know, the tip of my tongue right now, but I know like a lot of mothers have had to leave the workforce and adjust childcare and, you know, put aside some of the things that they, their wants and dreams and desires to figure out how to manage through all this. And I just... I feel like we're going to be talking about that repercussion for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of off on the tangent there, but. No, I, I have one thought on that, which is I shared an article from a woman named Beth Berry, who does a lot of work around the load and burden that mothers bear. And it's not to say that, that we're just, you know, we're martyrs for our, for our lives. But at, at the same time, like we do kind of take on that mentality sometimes of, Mm -hmm. we just kind of have to put our needs aside and do everything for our families. And she had written this massive article for motherly back in 2019. So two year or a year and a half before COVID ever hit before anything happened with the pandemic. And it was, it was just talking about that very thing of so much of motherhood tends to be focused on putting your own needs aside and just doing everything for everybody else and how we really need to change that. And just thinking of how more compounded it is now after the fact, a couple years after a pandemic, when we've seen so many mothers leave the workforce and just feel like they suddenly have to do even more than they did even two years ago. And it was already bad two years ago. So, well, I cannot wait to to read that article. I, I feel like it's alluding to that concept. That's really been, I've been seeing a lot lately, but it's always been there is that invisible workload of motherhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that resonates so hard. I feel like this is still fully within like our topic of conversation here, but like that was something I was trying to explain to Tim the other night because he was talking about like, I don't know, we're talking about, I, I was telling him about, and I don't know if this resonates with you at all, but I was telling him like, even when I feel like I'm not like I'm resting or I'm reading for pleasure, or I'm doing something for myself. I feel this like sense of anxiety that like I'm missing something or that I'm keeping track of something in my brain that's like, 
it's not like, oh, you've got to do that right now. But like, it's there and it's going to pop up and be like, don't forget, like, mm-hmm. don't forget this. Mm-hmm. Like, don't forget you got to like the dentist appointment on Monday. And don't forget that, like, you know, whatever it is, like you got, oh, the, like the laundry in the dryer needs to be moved around or like, don't forget, like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so I was telling him, I'm like, it's so hard for me to relax even when I'm quote unquote relaxing because I feel like something's dropping somewhere i'm just not aware of it but i'm gonna know about it soon because i'm gonna pay for not like keeping track of it and he was like i was like do you ever feel like that he's like no <laughs> i was like okay <laughs> i was like all right well maybe we should talk about this and so that yeah. led us to the greater conversation of like why am i the one keeping track of the dentist appointments like i i get it like it's someone has to right but like why is it me and mm-hmm. he's like well he was like i would get it done if i had to and i'm like okay w- if you had to like what does that mean like I-, I don't like so it was it was not an argument by any means but it was more of like a kind of coming to terms with like he was like oh yeah like i he's like well just ask me and i'm like mm-hmm. you know then it's that whole conversation of like well i shouldn't have to ask you to like take care <laughs> of your kid's teeth <laughs> I'm just using the dentist as an appoint as a you know an example, but I feel like that. I, I think it still kind of segues segues into this conversation about postpartum mental health because you know when you are post delivery and you've got this newborn and maybe it's your first one or your second one or your third one, you know it's yeah. like all you really want to do is soak up this time with your kiddo and you know heal and bond and rest and. But at the same time, it's like if you don't also keep all the other balls spinning that you have on your plate, this invisible workload, like who's going to do it? Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's this like very real, they just, it doesn't mesh well. Like it doesn't set yeah. you up for what maybe you're envisioning because you still, unless you've really done a lot of planning and you have a lot of support, you still got to do the things. <laughs> right. And, and also, I think a lot of people when it comes down to it, because I've been having this conversation a lot recently with new mothers or just mothers in general. And I think for us, or I won't say as everybody, but for a lot of people, when you are taking that time to create your support network, it can oftentimes say something internally about us also as not being capable or or worthy of asking for that help either and not that we think that in our conscious brain but i think that that's the message that has been sent out into the world about women and mothers is that if you are not doing all these things for your kids and for your home and you're not producing you're not you're no longer like worthy and acceptable for society. Like, who are you to sit back and just enjoy your postpartum period? And, you know, there's articles about how your your maternity leave is not a vacation. And, and what does that say about us thinking that maternity leave is vacation and that we have to we have to then defend that our maternity leave is actually a lot of work? Like even that in and of itself is it just really speaks to the mentality that our culture has around rest and women and mothers and their value and place in our society. So 
Yeah. That's, totally. That's, there's yeah. so many layers there to unpack. It's like, there's like this societal construct and then it's the stuff that we've internalized therefore like because of what we've seen like our own mothers and there's also reactionary against like what we've seen in our own lives like we go the opposite way and it's it's interesting because i remember you know i'm not proud of this fact but it it goes to the to to this like deconditioning but like i i would see like a new mom like i have my experience right which i would characterize as being pretty challenging but I would see a new mom that's like experiencing like postpartum bliss, you know, like this is so great. Like I, I'm, you know, we're sleeping and I've got my meal train and I've got like a house cleaner coming and I'm able to relax. And like, in theory, I should be like, wow, that's amazing. That I'm so happy for you. But you know, the, like the not so great part of me, like the jealous part of me is like, oh, that must be really nice. Like Mm -hmm. to not have to like, clean your house or like do the lunch it's horrible i hate admitting it but you know it's just like it it does it goes to that like i have obviously also internalized this idea that i don't know it's got to be hard and it's got to be it's got to be draining and if i accept help or if i set myself up for it to be easy then i'm not doing it right you know (laughs) yeah it's so terrible I mean, I'm a postpartum doula and I have had those thoughts too, Mm -hmm. because I've also dealt with really challenging postpartum times. And I have a lot of, like you said, deconditioning to do. And even though I can recognize that that's, you know, that's, that's a societal issue that I need to unlearn. It's so deeply ingrained into my brain that even with all of that training and knowledge and experience, those are still the thoughts that come to my head sometimes too of a must be nice, which Mm -hmm. I think is such a challenge for seeking support. And it just continues to perpetuate the, the burden that mothers end up bearing, especially in those early postpartum years, because you know, if you have thought that, then probably other people are going to be thinking that about you too, of seeking support. And it can be so challenging to overcome that and just say, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to set up my meal train. I'm going to hire cleaning help. I'm going to get a postpartum doula. I'm going to have all the things taken care of for me because That's how it has traditionally been for thousands and thousands of years. And only more recently is it such an individualistic society that we live in where we don't live in multi-generational homes, where we have lots of support built in, where we really have to seek it out now. Absolutely. And I mean, there's just so, like you said, so many layers, like we're not living in multi-generational homes, like just the, the balance, like the, there's like the, the idea of the 40 hour work week. And there's all these things that play into that. And also obviously like ability to outsource those things, you know, financially that plays into it. But at the end of the day, it's like, yes, I'm uh, so this is an example, Julie Bauer, who I love, she's actually been on the podcast before talking about why she does not want to have children. <laughs> and I don't know if you follow her, Alexis, but she's currently pregnant. And I just... saw that. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to get her back on the podcast to talk about that shift as well. But, you know, she, I just love following her journey. Uh, say what you will about her, but she is just 
very open about her flaws and her the things that bring her joy. But anyway, she was talking about wanting to hire a night nurse. And I was proud of myself because I was like, old me, like the, the tendency would be like, oh, a night nurse, like that would be, again, it must be so nice. But I was like, you know what? I'm so happy that like she has the resources and she knows that like this is a priority and she's going to be able to like to do that for herself and to make herself a better mom to, you know, give herself more support or whatever, whatever, what, what have you. But my reaction, I even like paused and was like, huh, go Jess. Like your reaction is like, you're happy. You're genuinely happy that she's looking into something that she thinks will be helpful for her instead of being like, Oh, must be nice. <laughs> and see, that's where like shift happens. Uh-huh. And that's where change happens is that when we can recognize and acknowledge that this is an issue and this is a mentality that that is not serving the general people as a whole, because healthy mothers will bring about a healthy people and a healthy civilization. And if we can just sit back and change our narratives of how this is supposed to look and what we're supposed to do and shift it towards something that we know is valuable and important and frankly, way better than what we have right now. And we can acknowledge that we have made those changes and keep moving forward, then that's when we might actually see something shift a little bit. I know. Oh gosh. I feel like I feel like there's a collective almost awakening awakening around this and I feel things are shifting. I know it's kind of going to be a an uphill battle in a lot of ways, but I do feel like and I don't know if you feel this too, but just more of that awakening which is kind of like the first step, like the awareness around like, oh, this is not working. <laughs> this is yeah. not the way it should be. And, you know, obviously there's a long road, road ahead to, to elicit any real change, but I don't know. I just feel like we're on the tip of something there. I think so. And I know that the pandemic really accelerated things there. And there has been so much information that has been released around studies of how, you know, how this has affected mothers and bringing awareness to the the sheer load of everything that a mother is expected to do and to do well mm-hmm. and basically be a hundred people in one person. Because when we say that it takes a village to raise a kid, it, it really does. It takes so many different people and one person cannot do the job of all uh, an entire community mm-hmm. because truly it's a community based experience where we can all support each other as we're growing and raising our families and one person cannot do what an entire community can do absolutely ugh such good insight we i feel like we've actually already been talking for 30 minutes it doesn't even feel like that <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> i feel like there's so much gold here and i know it's going to resonate with a lot of people but i want to kind of shift gears and talk about your your personal journey if you're if you're cool with that let's go for okay. it <laughs> so i can't as much as you feel comfortable sharing i would love to hear more about like your own mental health journey and this can go as far back as you want to, like pre-kids, but I would love to kind of hear in your own words, like what, what that journey has been like for you. I feel like as a kid, I probably struggled with a lot of feelings of anxiety. Like looking back on my childhood, I think I was a really anxious kid. And 
it just, you know, as you grow into adulthood and go to college and deal with all of life's stresses. And I just remember being a very, I don't know, I just feel a lot of feelings. And at the same time, like, don't really like to acknowledge my feelings a lot. Um, I I do a lot more now, (laughs) like way into my feelings a lot of the time. But (laughs) at that point in time, I just wasn't really like big into that. So it's definitely been something that as I have grown older and, and done so much, gotten a lot of experience in like getting my bachelor's degree in nutrition was a big one and learning how food and lifestyle really affects our mental health. It's been something that I have, I've just constantly kind of working on and making life decisions to try and support my mental health more and more. I was listening to Glennon Doyle's podcast last week and she was, somebody had asked a question about how to like, what kinds of self-care things can you do when you're struggling with anxiety and depression? And they were joking that like her whole life is basically set up to be so that you can support your mental health. And I kind of feel like that's where I'm headed is just trying to figure out how to how to balance like feelings of like anxiety and depression that I can deal with throughout my life and and not to put it out there as like you know just kind of feeling a little anxious sometimes or feeling a little down like it can be be pretty intense sometimes and I know that we've talked about it personally before of just feeling so low or just feeling really worried and anxious and kind of just strung out frankly so mm-hmm. it's just been something that has always been kind of on my radar but always manageable, you know, mm-hmm. like always able and not, not always just uh, like, I'm just going to push through and get through it. But, but just, you know, if I can make sure that I'm eating well and drinking my water and getting enough sleep and moving my body, typically pretty manageable, just something that I'm always keeping on my radar. What is up, y'all? We are back and ready to share about a new product that our guts are loving. Yes, I said our guts. Seed Daily Symbiotic. Let us fill you in on what it is and why we are loving it. Seeds Daily Symbiotic is a 24-strain pre- and probiotics that supports gut health, skin health, and so much more. Not to mention, it's actually clinically and scientifically studied, so you know you're getting in the real deal. And even better is that Seed puts the earth first. In your first purchase, you'll get a glass jar that is infinitely refillable. Your monthly refills are then delivered in compostable, biodegradable, and recyclable packaging. Supporting our gut health means supporting clear skin, less bloating, and even heart health. And keeps things regular, if you know what I mean. Because we want you to feel great too, please be sure to go to seed.com forward slash modern mamas or use code modern mamas at checkout to get 15% off your first month's supply of Seed's daily symbiotic. Click the link in the description to get started. Stay regular, friends. Okay, so that's kind of like your default. And I resonate just, I mean, you and I are very similar. Are you, did you ever, you're a nine or do you think you're a one? I don't know. You're, I you're still like think very about balanced. it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, like a, I'm a balanced nine and one. Like, yes. I mean, it really feels like across the board, like half a nine, half a one. Yes. Okay. So I, but what I know from personal conversation, I, we really resonate in the sense that like, on the cert, like in general, we like for there to be like things to be smooth sailing and like, you know, conflict is not our favorite thing. And we can sometimes project a very like everything's cool, 
we've got this down like image, but underneath, oftentimes there is a lot of of worry and anxiety that's kind of like bubbling there. So I, I really resonate with that. So going into this idea of like, okay, I, and, and I don't actually even know like your birth stories per se, but like, I don't know if y'all planned or if this was like, oh, yay, we're pregnant. But did you have any anxiety going into like your motherhood transition? I didn't. And I think that a lot of it is because I come from a really large family. There were seven kids and I was the oldest. And so I felt like I kind of already had it down. (laughs) You know, like I knew how to take care of babies and I knew how to take care of kids. But then like with the, you know, when we're talking about Enneagram, the one side of me can just, it just is so intense of, I need to do this right and do it perfectly. And that, and I, I shared this maybe a year ago, I think when we did the virtual modern mamas retreat that it can feel so it was hard for me as a mom to feel like I could take in because I love to research. I mean, obviously I'm seeking out lots of education all the time. And it's like, you can see as a nine, you see all the perspectives and all the ways of doing things. And you can understand why each one of those things could be valuable and useful. And then on the one side of things, just feeling like you have to do it all and do it right, which is really suffocating (laughs) as a parent. And it's so challenging because there is no way to do it all. And there is no way to do it right. Mm -hmm. And navigating that i think especially as a first time mom was really really hard because i didn't know a lot of this about myself and and to have gone into it kind of feeling like i could you know i could i got this like this will be fine <laughs> and then to just feel like i don't I, and i'm so overwhelmed i was really hard it was yeah. really challenging and I, I always felt like I really, I did struggle. My mental health really did struggle with my first kiddo, but it, it was, again, it was manageable for the most part. I, I, I had pretty well classified myself as having some postpartum depression with her, but as we'll talk about in a Mm -hmm. minute, it was nowhere near the same severity as I had with my son. So I think sometimes I don't know. Like, it's interesting when you, when you look back and you're kind of comparing, you're like, okay, so there was struggle, but maybe it was just a lot of this matrescence, which is a really cool term of the whole in-between of going from not a mother to a mother. And it's kind of like when we think of teenage years and adolescence, that in-between of being a child and adult and matrescence is that in-between of not being a mother and becoming a mother. And there's a lot of like angst and stuff that mm-hmm. happens in there. And so I had a hard time coping sometimes with my first kiddo, but it like we got through it. Right. Well, that is the segue to my next kind of open-ended question is, can you share about your births and in your postpartum experiences and as, as deep as you want to, how, how they were, maybe where they were similar, where they were different and your thoughts about like, 
why that is. I mean, I'm just here to like really listen and soak up this, like your telling of these two postpartum experiences. Okay. Well, (laughs) so with my daughter, again, with the perfect thing and knowing and being really involved in wellness spaces, I was really dead set on having a natural birth because that was quote the best. And, and I didn't really explore why that was the case. It just, you know, when you look at the evidence of, you know, having an unmedicated vaginal delivery, that just seemed like a really great option. And I just, I, I loved pregnancy and everything was good, but I remember actually thinking back to, I had a doula with my first and thinking back to like visiting with her and she's like, do you want to like come up with a code word for an, if you like need meds or an epidural or anything? And I was like, nope, I'm, no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like so in denial. And it's so funny because I knew in my head, like I knew that we could potentially need that and like things could go sideways, but it wasn't like I had really embraced that that was a possibility. And so I just think that that is so telling thinking back on that. And wouldn't you know it, like my daughter was almost 42 weeks when I went into labor. I was like 41 and five days Mm -hmm. and she just did not want to come out. She (laughs) was most likely posterior. She just was not turning and I, when I went into labor with her, it was, you know, when you go into labor, like you have, especially with your first kid, you're just never sure. But I just remember like having contractions, like they didn't hurt, but they were just there for hours and hours. Like, I mean, it was very obviously every 10 minutes, but they just didn't really go anywhere. And I think it was I think it was like nine o'clock in the morning when that happened because we had a non-stress test for her that day and just to like make sure everything was okay since she was so late and from that point on until like midnight it was just those every 10 minutes just like tightening and nothing and then eventually they shifted and were more painful and then all of a sudden like around one or two o'clock in the morning it was like so painful Mm. and so like every two minutes kind of thing and they tell you go to the hospital when it's for every four minutes for you know for a minute long or something like that so that's typically when they tell you to go in so I was like well it's every two minutes better go in and go in and there's like I'm at one centimeter (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I can relate (laughs) Like, I know I've listened to your birth story and it, it feels very similar. So yeah, that was just kind of how it went. And we went back to the hospital three times. Oh, and no. I, I had chosen to birth at this particular hospital because it was mainly staffed by nurse midwives. They had like birthing tubs and like all the things. And, and they really are a wonderful, wonderful hospital. If you're trying to do like, if you really value an unmedicated vaginal delivery, that's a really great option. And so that's where I had chosen to go, but it was also like 40 minutes away. So we drove back and forth mm. three times. And by the third time I checked in, it had been like a day and a half. 
And it event they were like, oh yeah, you're at maybe four centimeters. Oh <laughs> my goodness! Just so discouraged, and it was so painful. It was it was, and having two births, like I can know it. It was truly painful. It mm-hmm. was like active labor from one centimeter on. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, I labored with her for two and a half days, and eventually, you know, the last three hours of labor, I was like, you know what, I cannot do this anymore. I think I was maybe at a progressed at seven centimeters and I just thought I'm I can't anymore like my body is so tired I am just so tired of being in pain like I just cannot do this and so I got an epidural and she was born just a few hours later I think about three hours so it was just that was wonderful in terms of giving me those great experiences to then be so much more understanding Mm -hmm. to people who are in situations like that instead of coming out of it and being like oh yeah I rocked my unmedicated labor for two and a half days and being like yeah I can understand how you know this might be the the feel like the solution Mm -hmm. or not solution but this is the right this is the move for me this Mm -hmm. is what I want to do without any judgment attached to it but I really, I attached to that birth and labor outcome for a long time of just feeling like I had failed and just being really disappointed and how everything went. And I was so blindsided by how truly painful it was. And I think as a kid, I really stuffed things down really well. And so I was surprised at how much I could not stuff down the pain Mm -hmm. and difficulty of labor like everything just really bubbles up to the top so yeah that's how that went with my first and how was your postpartum experience then my postpartum was just you know thinking on it I just didn't have this most recent one so fresh in my mind but thinking on it with my daughter it was hard but I mean, we had a hard time breastfeeding at first, and that was really stressful. I didn't really give myself an opportunity to rest a lot. I don't know. It's just, it was, I was doing a lot of things Mm -hmm. afterwards, I guess, and like trying to keep myself kind of busy. And I didn't, I mean, I did not have built-in help and support and things like that. Like I had not planned for that at all. I hadn't planned for breastfeeding to go wonky or I hadn't actually planned for breastfeeding at all. I was just like, we'll figure it out. Yeah. I I resonate (laughs) with that as well. (laughs) Yeah. So that was, that was a challenge. And I just, yeah, it just felt like I was failing at everything, which is such a horrible feeling to feel as a mother. And it just did not feel like I was rocking anything. And I had felt like that from pretty much the moment that I was like, wow, labor is really hard. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And then with your son, fast forward, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. Was it similar, different? And then I know, well, just because I know you're part of your story, I know that that postpartum period was, was an intense time for you and for a lot of different reasons in your mental health challenges looked different I feel like so I'd love to hear like you touch on all that yeah and I feel like too that it felt with my daughter I just want to say too like I know postpartum with her really felt hard in the moment but you know how you kind of distance yourself from Mm -hmm. things so just to like 
put that out there too, that mm-hmm. sometimes that is the case. So with my son, we chose to have a home birth with him. And a lot of it was because, and the reason why I said that with my daughter is because a lot of the choices that I made for having my son was based on having a difficult labor and postpartum experience. So we chose to go with a home birth midwife. So we had him at home. And the big difference that I noticed when I think back on that particular prenatal experience and like labor and delivery is that I handpicked every single person that I was going to have there with me, which is something that, I mean, as a, as an Enneagram nine, you don't really like to say what exactly what you would (laughs) want. You're worried about hurting people's feelings or, or just like not even knowing what you want. And I was so intentional with who I chose as a midwife and who I chose as a doula. And we brought in a birth photographer and just, and saying like, that's it. That's all that I want here. And also choosing to not have my daughter present there at the birth too was a big intentional decision as well. And so I feel like with that experience, it was me understanding my needs and actually advocating for them instead of knowing what I kind of want, but being like, oh, well, it's okay if it goes one way or another. I was very intentional with that. And that went really well. Like it was a three hour labor from start to finish. And it was just night and day different. And I felt I, it wasn't like it wasn't hard, but it wasn't two and a half days of excruciating pain. (laughs) Relatively speaking, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was so different and it was smooth and like no complications happened. It was just, it was such a beautiful experience. And I always look back on that so fondly, which is, you know, that's something that I don't have with my daughter. And that's, you know, that's kind of hard sometimes too, just thinking about how different it is Mm -hmm. and how valuable it is. What happens during that experience, then moving forward into your postpartum period. So Mm -hmm. I find that interesting thinking about how different the postpartum experiences were with the two, like with the labor being so different. And you'd think, well, if you had this great birth experience, I think you should have a great postpartum experience. And that's just, that's not always the case. It's, it's not a given. That, yeah. yeah, it's not a given. And it's not a given that if you have somewhat, because I really felt like her birth was a traumatic birth. And it's not a given that, that if you feel like you had a traumatic birth that you're going to experience postpartum depression afterwards. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you had your son and it was a smooth experience in terms of the, the delivery. How was that postpartum experience? Because again, just reminding everyone like this was pandemic. What? How deep were we into the pandemic when you had? We weren't even there. Oh, okay. So yes. I didn't even know that it was a thing. He was born mm-hmm. on February 21st, 2020. So just a couple weeks before mm-hmm. everything shut down. And so it didn't affect anything. And I had no idea that anything was going on. The only thing that I did wonder that tipped me off was like, why isn't anyone visiting us? Like Mm. no one is coming over. This is so weird. Like normally people will say, Hey, like, can we come over and visit or whatever? Nothing. It was Mm. so weird. And we like one thing that was tricky with him is that he had tongue and lip ties, which my daughter did not have. And I was waffling on, do we get this revised or not? And luckily I 
said, you know, this is too painful. Like I cannot deal with this anymore just in time to be able to go get it revised. And by the end of the week, I think we went out on like a Tuesday. And by the end of that week, they, they closed, like they were Mm -hmm. not doing anything. So, and he was 10 days old at the time. So I think he was like two weeks or so by the time everything just kind of shut down Mm. or maybe three weeks old. And that was just, it was just awful. It was like, we didn't know anything then. You know, if you have a baby now, we kind of have an understanding of what is safe and what's not. And people have options to get vaccinated if they want to. And there's just like so many things that you can do. You you have, yes, like you have more of an understanding of like how to prepare like for this period of time of limited contact or whatever. But yeah, I can imagine it's like all unfolding in real time as you're going through this postpartum period. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many questions. I was having a hard time with even setting up a meal train. I was just having a lot of feelings about it for a variety of reasons. And and then nobody signed up for my meal train. And I was like, this is what is happening. And that was like when I'm realizing, oh man, like this is not good. And we had so many struggles with breastfeeding this time. And that was really hard because it was honest. It truly was triggering memories of having my daughter and having her not eating well and having to go in for weight checks all the time and just having to do all those things. And that those feelings were getting brought up alongside like pandemic feelings and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how do I get support from a lactation consultant if we're not even supposed to be going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we dealt with nursing issues with him for so many months and it just felt like it was just an it was it was an uphill battle feeding him and breastfeeding was really important to me. I had nursed my daughter almost two years. And so it was like, man, I just can't imagine not doing this for him. And then he also had dairy intolerances, which made thinking about switching to formula really tricky too. Mm-hmm. There's just not a lot of options for babies who don't tolerate dairy very well. So it was just like so many different things. And I'd say too, like my lifestyle leading up to having him was very busy. I mean, it got started with Beauty Counter like a couple years before and was really hustling my booty off with that and like becoming a CrossFit coach and a BirthFit coach while I was pregnant. It was like right around the time that I found out I was pregnant was when I had signed up for all these things. So I went from this really busy, like really feeling successful and like I was professionally developing and also feeling like a pretty adequate mother with my, with my daughter who was three or so. And then everything just came to a screeching halt and we had no support for my daughter either who really needs like so much. She needs she just needs a lot and she's three and like her life has changed. And then suddenly there's no preschool for her to go to and no friends and it's just us. And we're busy trying to manage this baby who isn't eating very well. And so I'm like nursing and pumping and nursing and pumping Mm -hmm. and like trying to figure out, you know, the supplemental nursing system type of things so that he doesn't just like lose his ability to suck because of his ties and just like so many things. And then not only that, but just to do it completely alone, Mm -hmm. just us. My husband still had to go to work and it just, it was horrible. (laughs) 
there's just like no way around mm-hmm. it. it for me my experience it was just not the it wasn't the getting to like sit at home and snuggle your baby and just enjoy experience even a tiny bit and so yeah that was hard when did you recognize because i know like you you you're communicating that it was a really big struggle but when did you actually recognize that like i'm not like aside from like my baby having these challenges aside from like my daughter also struggling aside from all of these challenges when did you realize like you yourself were not doing quote unquote doing well and when did you kind of like seek out or like start to verbalize like hey i think this is not right for me This is such a good question because I think that it brings up an issue that comes up so often, which is I knew from basically like three to when, when nursing struggles started happening and everything shut down, I just, I could not stop crying about everything. And I just, everything, it just felt so overwhelming and I felt like I couldn't do anything right. And it just, that's basically how I felt all the time from about three or four weeks onward. But the key was that I just kept saying, oh, well, it's just because of the pandemic or, Mm -hmm. oh, it's just because of nursing being a struggle or, oh, it's just because I'm having a hard time keeping my cool with my three-year-old who's just going berserk over here. So I think that that's such a common thing that I see is that Just because there's a reason for why you're feeling the way that you're feeling doesn't mean that it doesn't need to be addressed and truly cared for. Mm -hmm. And in my, in my six week, my last appointment with my midwife, because that was something that was wonderful about having a home birth midwife is that they see you like six times afterwards, like four to six times is usually how many I'd had some phone conversations with her that were really emotional and just like trying to figure out what on earth to do and just feeling like my hands were tied. And I think that losing that sense of control is a real thing that a lot of new parents experience. And it just felt really compounded because of of all the things that were going on. And it was like, I mean, she was offering, she was wonderful and she offered, you know, therapy, therapist suggestions and referrals and a couple of other things too, just to help. And I just chose not to do it for no other reason than it just felt so overwhelming, which again is like something that happens a lot for moms postpartum who are struggling is that when you're just barely keeping it together to like keep everybody alive, the doing the extra work of seeking out a therapist or talking to your doctor or whatever you choose to do can just feel so overwhelming. So it was like so bad that even trying to get help felt just not possible. But also I am, I'm just, somebody who tries to just figure it out myself. And so I just kind of dealt with it for a very, very long time. Well, hello there, my friends. It's one half of your host just popping in to do a wellness check on you. How are you feeling? 
We're right smack in the middle of illness season, and I want, no, scratch that need to tell you about something I take regularly that I think has had a huge impact on my overall health and recovery from illness this season, Paleo Valley Essential C Complex Capsules. I think we've all heard of the importance of vitamin C for our bodies, but did you know that virtually Every vitamin C supplement on the market is actually ascorbic acid, which is made in a lab and usually harshly processed with GMO corn and harsh chemicals like acetone, which is like nail polish, yuck. Paleo Valley Essential C Complex, however, is chock full of 450 milligrams of vitamin C per serving, made with all organic superfoods, no synthetic yuckiness, and no isolated ascorbic acid. That's what I'm talking about. I typically take mine in two doses, morning and afternoon, as a preventative measure, and if I'm feeling a tickle in my throat, planning travel, or want an extra boost, I'll double up my dose. If you want to check out Paleo Valley's Essential C Complex and incorporate a daily supplement that can improve your antioxidant response, gut health, mental health, sleep, skin, and even your cortisol response, head on over to www.paleovalley.com forward slash modern mamas and use the code modern mamas at checkout for 15% off your order. Stay vibrant friends. Obviously there's time plays into that, but what steps did you start to take to kind of address and actually support yourself once you stopped kind of just being like, it's like, I don't need anything or, you know, what, what, Ultimately, what steps did you put in place to kind of get out of that place and what worked for you? Yeah, well, eventually what it just ended up being was talking to my doctor and getting on antidepressants because it had been almost a year and I was just still in a place of having a lot of like intrusive, scary thoughts are a big thing for me, which I experienced in my first postpartum period. But I, I definitely could not, it didn't ever go away with my second kid. And a lot, my big symptom is having a lot of anger and rage. And it was just really scary. And so eventually I just decided like I was going to have to talk to my doctor about it and get a prescription because none of the lifestyle things that I was doing worked. And I couldn't exactly fix my sleep because I had a nursing baby. But I was doing a lot of things. I was taking a lot of supplements. I was trying to make sure that I was eating the right food and I was exercising and getting outside every day and doing all the things that normally would help. And it just wasn't, and it wasn't helping for so long. And then like that helped, but it was really hard to seek that decision as somebody who just knows that wellness and lifestyle really does play such a huge role in in your mental health and to still be like, okay, like, I guess this has to be this, this has to just be what it is right now is that all of these decisions that I'm making and ways that I'm choosing to support myself just aren't good enough. And as a professional, like in the, as a postpartum doula, I think it is important to also share that it is so the longer that you go, the harder it is to come back from and the longer that it can take. And I truly feel like I only a year later, a whole year later, do I feel like I'm finally in a place where I feel like I feel like myself again. And I, I'm not currently taking medication anymore. I haven't been for several months, but it was a long, long road. And I think that that's an important reason for sharing. Like it's so important to seek out help like sooner rather than later. And 
just go against the go against the stigma of like seeking out help is bad because not for everybody is medication going to be the answer but you know you have to do something other than just trying to do it all yourself which is often what my solution is oh gosh absolutely thank you so much for sharing i know that that can be a really I mean, not, not necessarily a, a hot topic, but it is one that there's a lot of feelings around, right? Especially as, you know, you mentioned, I can relate 100% as someone who's like fully believes in the power of food and movement and sleep and all of these natural things that we have at our disposal to like heal ourselves. <laughs> there are also times when, like you mentioned, those things, yes, they're great and wonderful, and I'm sure they're they're helping, but they're not enough. And in those instances, for someone to be able to like have actually and literally the strength to be like, I need to take this medicine for the benefit of everyone, it's just really powerful. I I resonated a lot with you. I was shaking my head because you mentioned like anger and rage. I never got diagnosed like really or even sought help after the birth of Bear. But I, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, yes, fully, fully see that I was, I had postpartum depression and anxiety. And one of my symptoms, and it persisted for a very long time, like two, three years, like he was two or three. But I just thought this was the way motherhood wa- was like for me, that it was hard and everything was hard. And there wasn't a whole, it's just, it's terrible now that I look, not terrible, but it's, it makes me feel sad when I look back on those early years thinking like, man, it didn't have to necessarily be that way. But the rage, I, is so hard to talk about sometimes with people because it's like people, I, I thought that if I told people how angry and like literally like just physically, like I would throw things, punch things, scream, not necessarily at bear, but like in a closet or like just walk outside and be like, I can't handle this. Like if the rage was there, like I thought if I told people that they'd be like, well, you have a healthy kid. Like you're fine. Like, why are you upset? It's like, it's so hard to communicate that to people sometimes because it's so shameful. <laughs> yeah. And I think that you sharing that, which thank you for sharing. And I know that you have on here before because I felt like, oh, it's not just me when I heard you sharing about it before. And I think the more that we can say like, this is a thing. And a lot of it is that we are, our needs are not being met as new mothers. And this midwife who I just adore. And I mean, truly, I respect her as with the wisdom that she brings and the training that she does. Her name is Rochelle Garcia Saliga. And she, she talks so much about this, that like we mothers are just, they are not, they are grieving what we don't have anymore because we had, we used to have, and we know like that, that feeling of we just want to lay in bed and snuggle with our babies and like bond with them and nurse them and just take it easy. That's how it's supposed to be. And that's how it has been until very recently when you no longer have people who are coming in and nurturing you and teaching you how to do these things in your home, in your bed and taking care of your family and your food and making sure that your home is warm and comfortable for everybody. We don't have that anymore. And rage is oftentimes 
just a reaction to realizing that this is way too freaking hard for us to do. And it's not because we are failing as mothers. It is because we have been completely failed by a society that no longer sees any value in nurturing new life forward. And we just expect you're going to sit in your house and you have to do this with absolutely no support. And I just, I, I hope that we can continue to talk about rage in particular and figure out how we can use that to, to create change like us as mothers, because unfortunately, like all the other things that we have on our plate to do, we're going to have to be the ones that make this shift. We're going to have to be the ones that show up and say, I'm not doing this anymore. I refuse to parent in this modern motherhood thing that we're doing that is supporting absolutely no one. And we're going to have to be the ones to step up and either say, this is how I'm caring for myself now as a mother, whether it's early postpartum or just through motherhood in general and just sharing all the time, like I am taking care of myself and I am seeking to meet the needs that I have because I am valuable and it matters. And and then also to then care for our friends and family members who have babies and our mothers as well and share with them like how they can care, how they can seek care and, and not, not put so much pressure on new moms to have to sit down and like create this postpartum plan of like, how am I going to make sure that we all eat and we all like have our house cleaned and my kids are taken care of, but to just eventually come together as this community to wrap around new families and just do it for them, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which can only happen through modeling. So we've got like a lot of work (laughs) to go forward (laughs) with that, but it's something that I'm I'm working on right now is how to educate communities about how do we do this to create uh, healthier generations to come because if we don't have healthy mothers like it's it's just it's a detriment to to kiddos when they're like you know it's not that like our kids are going to be failed by us because we're all doing our best and we love our kids and our kids love us and all that, but just think how much greater things can be and the mental and emotional health and well-being of our kids when our emotional and mental health needs are also being met properly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, I was going to ask you for parting words, but I feel like that was <laughs> like a mic drop right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible advice and insight. I mean, is there anything else that you want to add? I know we're wrapping up our time together, but is there any other parting words or do you feel like you've pretty much mm. said your, your what's on in your heart? <laughs> yeah, I think that's just been what's so on my heart lately is seeing so many people step up and say, I, I am really struggling and not a whole lot changing yet. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of trying to figure out where can I help bridge the gap between people saying this is no longer acceptable, but we continue to do it because we have to, because we're moms and we're not just going to, you know, drop the ball completely with our kids and our families. Like we still have to help meet needs, but how can we, how can we provide some tools and some education to help communities come together and 
take care of each other, which I think, you know, we could all use a lot more of these days. It's just us kind of coming together and caring for one another and loving each other and doing all that. Because as a postpartum doula, I can really, especially with two kids, I can only take care of one family at a time. And that's (laughs) just not a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, friend. Like, just always a pleasure. This hour and seven minutes flew by. I can't believe we've talked for this long, but I'm also not surprised. So can you tell us where we can find you if anyone just wants to connect with you in a different way or like just follow along with you? Where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram mostly. I am at alexis.thenourishedbeginnings. So that's where I'm at most of the time. And then I also have a website, thenourishedbeginnings.com, which I'm kind of in the process of like totally revamping. (laughs) So maybe in the next six months, it will actually be a landing page of resources and thoughts and education and things like that. Right now, it's pretty much just how to contact me if you want postpartum care. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And as usual, thanks everyone for tuning in. Please continue to submit reviews, rate us on iTunes. That is so helpful. We are so happy that you are all still here and listening and we'll see you next week. Bye friends. Bye. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. Bye.